0: Welcome to Power of the Cross radio sermons. We are so happy you could join us. Next, you will be hearing a message from Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. To learn more about the Lighthouse, visit their website at grenadachurch.com. Now, on to the message.
1: Okay, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 8, reading down to verse 11. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And that just means the compassion of Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And here's the most important part this morning. That ye may approve things that are excellent. Then continuing that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and the praise of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for another beautiful day, Lord, to come in and partake of the fellowship, to partake of the word, to partake of the music. It is truly a blessing to be in your house this morning. And Father, as we break the bread of life, I ask for that anointing, God, just for a few moments. To preach your word without fear nor favor, may it touch hearts and lives, and I know that each person will be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, and we say it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's no doubt that Paul loved the church at Philippi. It was probably his favorite church. I mean, that's my opinion, but just as you read, and I say that because in this letter there wasn't a word of rebuke to the church. He was encouraging them, and he, he got on church at Galatia pretty good, and boy, he, he tore right into them right off in the first chapter. But here in Philippi, he didn't do that. He, he starts telling them some, he pray, if he's telling them, first of all, he's praying for them, and then he wants them to give thought and approval to the things that are excellent in life. And the things that God gives us are excellent. They are the best things in the world, and they surpass all other things of this uh, sin-cursed world. Let's, and Today I hope that I can get you to consider some of them and hope to provoke your thoughts in anticipation that you may know the best things to experience in this life and the one to come. First off, we have experienced an excellent birth in this life. Now some people are just born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Every once in a while somebody comes along in life and You see on the news, I don't even know all their names that come out of England. Prince Charles and Harry, maybe. I I don't even know if I'm right about that. I don't keep up with it. I just know that they got born into some uh, pretty wealthy situations, but most of us are not. Most of us are uh, born with uncertainty, sometimes sickness. In my own life, I was born into sickness and not much chance of me to make it, but the Lord intervened. And the majority of people across the world are born into poverty. But there's another birth that happens for the Christian, and it's a second chance, if you will. And 100% of the time that this birth happens, it is an excellent birth. Amen? Every, t- every single time that somebody is truly born into the kingdom of God, it is an excellent birth. And there was a Jewish leader named Nicodemus one night, and he come to Jesus in the middle of the night. And he begins to pour his heart out to him. And Jesus tells him this. Except a man be born again. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus said. Well how can this be? I mean I've been born one time. I can't go back into the womb. How, how could this be? And then Jesus begins His dissertation, you're going to know some of this passage in John 3, starting at verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life." For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Yeah, there, thats I don't know of any simpler that I could put the, about the new birth this morning. It comes down to one thing, that you know Christ is your Savior. I fear many times that people don 't they say they understand this, but they truly don 't because there 's never been this new birth in their life. when this excellent birth comes about in your life, you start soon discovering that that this is this one path and one path only leads to eternal life uh, there 's a lot of teachings going on nowadays that all roads lead to God, and they pray, paint a real pretty picture they they paint the picture of heaven, and there's these nice little roads that lead all up to heaven. You could be a Muslim, you could be, uh, you could be a Jehovah Witness, you could be Presbyterian, you could be Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, atheist. And they do. They say that even atheists. I read a book not long ago that said even atheists. I read a little bit of it. I didn't waste a whole lot of time, but this man said that even atheists are going to be in heaven. And it sounds good. It, it sounds like a pretty picture, boy, that everybody's going to heaven, there's going to be no hell, but that's just not reality. You have to have this excellent birth. You have to be born again. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean that you have become a new creation in Christ. And the only way to this new birth is Christ alone. We have an excellent nature. Now, every the bad news is every single one of us are born with a sin nature. That's that ugly side of you. That's that side sometimes that loses your temper. That's that side of you before you come to Christ that would do those sinful things. And every single one of us have it. You're born with it. Nobody escapes this. It's just like taxes and death. You're not going to escape those things. And you're not going to escape the sin nature. You're born with it. There's nobody that's ever been so perfect that they do not have the sin nature. But what's amazing is in this excellent nature that God gives us, He plants down in us a divine nature at salvation. That when you said yes and this excellent birth happens in your life, at that point, God plants the divine nature down in your soul. And here's where I guess the fight comes in is because the sin nature, although it's brought up under control by the Holy Spirit, there's still that war within. Uh, it is this subject has been coming up the last few weeks and several teachings. And it's true that most of the Bible is given over to sanctification. Very little is given over to salvation. The Bible is really not for the unsaved. I've heard some testimonies of people reading the Bible and getting saved, but they've been far and few between. And I understand that we need the Word to grow, but most people, the Word is there to grow you. The Word is there to teach you after you have received salvation, after that new birth has happened. Then it teaches you how the divine nature works inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is the power in this. You know this in life, for anything to work, there has to be some kind of power. For something to move... And I don't. I mean, science teaches us that for something to move, there has to be force behind it. That's anything in life. For the car to go, there has to be gas. You had to put your foot down on the accelerator. You had to turn the key. There's something setting into motion. All these things. You heading out the door today. You got to get up off the pew. You got to walk out there. You had to have some breakfast to power that wonderful body God made for you. Amen. There's something behind every movement on this earth. And it's no different with the divine nature. Something powers it. And it's the Holy Spirit. And this war that you have going on inside of you between the evil nature and the the good nature, if you want to call them the correct, I guess, the the way theology would look at it, would be the sin nature and the divine nature to bring that evil nature up under control and the divine nature to to rule and reign in your life. It works by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? I hope you've learned this while you're at this church. This may be a little more of a teaching session this morning, but that's okay. Because if there's one goal I hope I can accomplish this morning, sure, we want to see people saved. one of the main roles of a pastor is to teach you how to live for God. I get enjoyment out of that. I don't want to see you wallow around in sin. I don't want to see you walk out of this door de- defeated. I don't want to read about you in the Grenada newspaper. I want to see you blessed and moving forward in this uh, divine nature operating you. Back to the sin nature. What happens is before you're saved, the sin nature has a relationship to your flesh. That's why you acted it out. It's, it's, a, it's the force behind it. The evil nature side of you says, well... Go and get that six-pack of beer and go slap the family around a little while. Go out and wreck your car. Go out and get in trouble and go go smoke that weed and go do these things. That's the evil nature inside of you. But see when the divine nature is operating in your life. And the Holy Spirit is functioning inside of your heart and life. He breaks that relationship that you have with the flesh and the divine nature. Now, the divine nature should be controlling your life in the flesh and how you acted out the force behind it. Amen? I didn't know that, Brother Wilson. You do now. (laughs) You know it now. This is not a strange teaching either. I've heard it. It's been lost it's been lost from the pulpit. This is not taught much. But you don't have to go very far back some of the people y'all listen to, Brother Hewlin-Evans. He taught this. He taught, the. he may have said it a little different, but he taught the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ will cleanse you And cause you to walk upright before God. And God, it works one way with God. How do I get the Holy Spirit to do things in my life like this? Because I'm messing up 900 miles an hour, Brother Wilson. What do I do? It boils down to this. God asks you to place your faith in that finished work of Christ. And that is it. If you don't complicate this thing, if you will place your simple faith in that finished work, the Holy Spirit will do his part. He'll live up to the, his part of it. That divine nature will work working here. Here's where we all mess up, though. Almost every single one of us. Man, they told me a church I could go out to here on Highway 7, and they got it going on. They're so friendly when you walk in the door. I mean, they treat you like, they put their arms around you and treat you like family. And Mama, Papa's been going there 50 years, and then you get in there and discover that, well, you're going to need to be baptized in water first. You're going to need to speak in tongues. You're going to need to be a member of our church. You're going to need to act right. You're going to need to follow our laws and bylaws. You're going to need to get somebody to be your covering. If you mess up, we'll have a penance plan for you where you'll work your way back to God. What you're doing is you're frustrating the grace of God. You should be baptized in water. I pray that you receive the baptism of the holy spirit it's it 's power that from on high that carries you to another depth of your relationship with God. I think you ought to be a member of a church i I think at some point you should join and and, and not take it so lightly it 's taken so lightly nowadays uh, where it used to really mean something uh i I think that you, there ought to be good fellowship in the church. But if any of those things, if we approach it with the idea that this will consecrate me more, this will cause the divine nature to somehow rise up and be stronger in my life, you are frustrating the grace of God. And what will happen is, is the Holy Spirit stops working. So you got it, go ahead. I know this may sound like it so simple. We understand that. But the reality is most of us, Frustrate the grace of God on a daily basis. That is the story of the human walk or Christianity is most of us in some shape, form, or fashion that we frustrate the grace of God. We sin, we don't know where that come from, and we try to come up with some method. Oh, I'm going to pray my way, and God's surely going to hear me. You should pray if you sin. If you sin, the first thing you ought to do is, God, forgive me. Amen. Don't don't brush it off. (laughs) Don't say, well, it's okay. God understands me. No. You get on your knees before God if you can. If you're like me, you have to stand up. Y'all catch that here in a minute. I'm talking about knees creaking and breaking and groaning. (laughs) I had to stand up. I can barely get on my knees. But if you can, get on your knees before God and say, God, forgive me my sin. And, you know, God does. But this habitual sin where we walk off and try to ignore it or come up with some kind of myth that God didn't intend for us to live like this. Do you think it works, Brother Wilson? I know it works. I searched for an answer. When I first became a Christian, I couldn 't understand why certain things kept cropping back up in my life. I had with people with good intentions coming to me and saying, "Try this and try this," or you 're not trying hard enough." And all those things failed, and I come close to quitting until God put the message of the cross into my life. And, and it just after a while it clicked. I said, "Hey, you know what? I had been, I've been acting stupid. I've been trying to do this on my own. And now I'm liberated and I'm free. And I I had all this freedom. And I just didn't realize it. And when I took a hold of it, every day of my life has been a change going forward. Even this week, there's other things in my life. God helped me with this and he's helping me. You know what used to be alcohol and cigarettes and things. that were I knew I couldn't go forward with those in my life now. It's become maybe those thoughts I had towards people. You know, them people that try to, you know, do things in your life and try to bring evil in your life, and you're thinking, boy, I'd like to choke them. And the Holy Spirit says no. Or you start praying like one of the apostles and say, well, you know what, I'd like fire to just rain down on their head just for a minute, God. And God says no. No. And you start going to the Word, and God starts teeth, that divine nature starts taking over. Here's the bad news. This fight will never quit. Here's the good news. You have an advocate with the Father. And as long as you don't quit, He won't quit. And this is a journey called Christianity we'll talk about more in here in just a second.
0: Thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio. If you are enjoying the sermon you are hearing, we need your help. We do not sell any advertising on this station. You will not hear any third-party ads. This radio ministry operates by donations only. So, we need your prayers and financial gifts to keep bringing Christ and Him crucified to the world. Let God use you to keep power of the cross radio going around the globe. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you can donate by secure means. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you. Now, back to the message.
1: We have excellent clothing. What do you mean by clothing? I'm not talking about this suit I got on. I need a new one, but I ain't talking about that. Now, some people possess a lot of clothes in this world. My father, he was uh, kind of an unusual character when it comes to clothes. He loved to buy nice shoes. I don't know what it was. He'd go out, he'd, he'd go without food and go buy him some nice shoes. Me, it don't mean a whole lot to me. There's some people possess a hundred suits of clothes. There's some that barely have a shirt and a pair of shoes. That's just reality. Jesus said, we'll always have the poor with us. And you look at some African nations and you can see it very easily on social media. There's some people just praying to have a pair of shoes Uh, Not many years ago, I got tickled at my wife's grandmother. She was telling me a story. You know, we have a lot nowadays. We got right now, if any of us wanted a pair of shoes, we go to Walmart and get it. And At that time, they just had one pair of shoes. And she was a little bitty girl. She said, well, my daddy, I was going to make my daddy go buy me a new pair of shoes. And I went and tore them, scuffed them up while I was at school and come home and showed them to him. and said, Daddy, I need a new pair of shoes. He said, oh, I got this. He went out to the wood shop out there and fixed them, brought them right back to her. You know, some sometimes we may not have all the clothes we want in life, but you know, there's a, 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 a spiritual clothing we have that is more precious than gold. It's the righteousness of Christ. Let me explain. When we come to Christ in our sinful state, he wraps us up in this robe of righteousness. And you have to be clothed. Stick with me here because you're going to understand why it's important. It may not sound like much at first, but you have to be clothed in this righteousness to make it to heaven. If you don't believe me, go to Matthew chapter 22 and start reading the parable about the wedding feast. And Jesus said that they come into the wedding feast and when they come to the door, these people were provided the best of clothes. What to wear? When they went to the wedding, they said, here's the clothes, come on into this feast. But there was one person, one man that said, I don't need those clothes. I'll go in and I'll make it in. And he went in. But the king comes along of the feast and he says, what are you doing in these clothes? And he said, well, this is what I'm wearing. He said, that's not what you're supposed to be wearing. And he told the attendants to take that man, take him outside and cast him into the outer darkness where there'll be much weeping and gnashing of the teeth. And the idea behind that is, God was saying in that parable, and to come into the kingdom of God, you have to be wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. When you stand before his throne, think of it as a literal robe that God sees you dressed in and he no longer sees your simple state. He sees the righteousness of Christ. We have an excellent clothing. Amen. This is majesty. This is royalty to where you stand before God, blameless. And, but the, Now, the people that are trying to go in, By works, the people that are trying to circumvent Calvary, and they're trying to do things their way. Oprah Winfrey, she ought to know better. She was brought up a Baptist here in Mississippi. I know she knows better. I can't speak of the Baptists nowadays. I don't know good or bad. I can't speak of them. But I know in years past, many of the Baptists had very sound theology. Those of you holding your Expositor Study Bible in your hand, look in the very front of it and see where they got most of their information. It comes from the Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary. The Baptists had strong doctrine down through the years. And she knew better. And she stood on TV and said, there are more than one way to God. And you are clothing yourself in something that God never intended if you bypass Calvary if you go around the finished work of Christ, if you do anything other than that one thing, you're going to show up at that wedding feast. And you're going to try to go in, and you're going to hear those words, cast him into the outer darkness, where there's much weeping and gnashing of the teeth. I didn't say it. Jesus Christ said it. He said, you had to be clothed in my righteousness, not your own. Now, we have excellent attendance. I love this right here. What do you mean attendance? Well, some wealthy people here on earth, they have attendants in their life. They have people that will wait on them hand and foot. I've never had anything like that. I, I don't know what it's like to experience, to have somebody to uh, clean your house other than my wife. My wife is a very good housekeeper. She's a good a good wife. She's taking care of me and my family all these years. But I'm talking about a paid attendant. I'm talking about a maid or, or indentured servitude And But the richest man on the earth does not have the attendant you have. I'm going to prove it to you. There is no doubt that angels are sent to watch over your life. You know, this is something that's been building in my ministry over the years. I don't know that I... In years past that I understood it to the magnitude I do now. I've always understood that God has angels sent down to this earth. But I don't know that I understand, like I do today, of how much they are involved in our life. They are involved in Now, I don't want to get all super spiritual, but I'm going to be spiritual. Because in Hebrews, it says, in Hebrews 1 and 14... Are they not all ministering spirits set forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? We have angels that God sends to watch over our life. Amen. Simon Peter was arrested one day. And he was put into prison. Sixteen soldiers were assigned to watch over him. Don't let him loose because we're going to kill him on Passover. And that night, they chained him up but with two other soldiers, I guess, I'm guess i guessing on the left and right. And they had him locked down in prison. And in the middle of the night, an angel walks in and kicks him. Yeah, read your Bible. I said, get up, Peter. Stand up quickly. And the chains just fell off. Now go. And look, folks, there is no doubt. But what's changed about that? I'll tell you who's changed is the church that says things don't happen like this anymore. I'll tell you all, that's just a fairy tale of guardian angel, My friends, it's a reality that God sends angels at certain times. I don't know. They may be around you all the time now. The Bible even tells us the angels look into the church almost as like a school and studying this salvation. They may be sitting here in these pews this morning. You think so? Hey, I believe so. That Bible says it. That's what I believe. Amen. I don't care what people think about me. I could care absolutely less if somebody thinks I've lost my mind. Oh, now he believing angels are sitting beside him. That's right. You're exactly right. That's exactly what I believe. I believe God has sent angels to sit around me and protect me and my family. It's not uncommon for me to get up in the morning. God, you see Matthew going down the road to Water Valley this morning. Put a couple of angels in the car with him. Amen. You see my other son over here. You know what he's doing. Put angels around him. Amen. I'll never forget a testimony of a young girl back in the 70s. She was going to a uh, she went to a rock concert, and they I know from past experiences, they do very lewd things after the concert backstage. They'll try to get young women to come in there. Well, this one girl that went, she was a preacher's daughter. And when she started to go back to the back with her friends. They let all the other friends, but the girl watching over, they're letting the other girls come in, just stopped her, said, Nope, you can't come in here. She said, Well, I want to go back there and party the rest of her. said, Nope, you got angels standing around you. You're not welcome back here. Oh, come on. <laughs> How about this? I'll tell you a time I know an angel watched over me. I'll never forget this. I was at Coppers on top of a silo. And I was was doing maintenance work up there, and I lost my traction. And when I did, I I got on wood, and wood chips, on metal, they're like glass. It's like on ice. And when I I slipped, that was it. I said, well, I'm fixing to die here today. And I was sliding off of that silo, heading straight to the ground, and one little piece of metal caught my foot. It shook me to my core, and years later, I can't help. To think that some angel God had somewhere that said, This ain't your time today. I'm going to keep him here a little while longer. When I was born, there was an angel somewhere that said, I'm going to keep him here a little while longer. Amen. We have an excellent comforter. People are trying to find comfort in this world only to find despair. More than ever, I, I think... If I talk to each of you individually, you would say this probably, especially since the last year. The last 14 months have been horrific and all over the world. It doesn't look like we're going to have any break. I don't know. I'm believing God for moving His Spirit. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't know what's going to work out with businesses or schools or uh, life in general. I, I just don't know. I don't think anybody can answer that. But you think about all the rich and successful people we see, and they're taking their own lives or they're ODing on drugs. I'm not talking about people that are broke and destitute, I'm talking about people that have multiple millions of dollars. One I always think of when I think about this with Kurt Cobain of the group Nirvana, he was not broke. He was a multi-millionaire. He had more money than he'd ever spend in his life. And probably the royalties continuing on. I think he may have a child. They'll never have to worry about nothing ever again in their life. It's just that much money involved. It's mind-blowing the money. And that young man, for whatever reason, one day sat down and took a shotgun and blew his head off. And this story uh, happens all the time. Y'all, I know y'all know the man prince. Everybody, everybody knows that name. Well, here's the reality of what happened. He was trying to find a release, trying to find some comfort in this life, and he got on opioids, and he mixed the wrong thing, and he, he OD'd on a plane. You think about Michael Jackson. Now, here's a man. Now, when they say he's broke, his idea broke, and your idea broke are two different things, Okay? <laughs> When they say he ain't got no money, it ain't like me needing twenty dollars to make it till next week. They're down to a few million, and they think they're going broke. Well, he—you think about this. This man had everything. He had a Beatles catalog. I—I I think, if I'm right about this, worth fifty million dollars in assets. I mean, there—you would think somebody like that would be just whoa, boy, life is good, and I got it going on today, but. The sad reality is he had to have a doctor come in and inject him with drugs just so he could sleep. And that doctor did this for many years, and then all of a sudden one day he gave him too much, and he OD'd. And this is a story that I could continue on. I could go from the richest of the rich to the poor of the poor. And this story repeats and repeats and repeats. This world has come unhinged. Nobody's happy anymore. Nobody has any hope anymore except one group of people. <laughs> there is one group of people that is sustaining their self in this day and age. You may tell you who it is. It's those who are sold out to Jesus Christ. And the world can't understand it. Their only reaction is is to get mad. That's all they can do is get mad. Y'all wonder why people fight against you. You wonder why people come down upon the church. They have no comfort in this world. But God provides everything for a Christian. I've told you about some excellent things this morning. But there's something excellent God provided for. He thought about this a long time ago. He didn't miss a lick with you. You know who misses the the mark every time? It's us. You've got a whole treasure chest full of things. God gave you excellent things. And it's your responsibility to open it up and pull them out. And say, boy, I got that. I didn't know I had that. And now we say the Holy Spirit a lot. We say, well, the Holy Spirit this and the Holy Spirit that. and, And it's almost like we made him into some kind of spiritual movement. He is a person. He is the third person of the triune Godhead. Look, there is a third person that resides inside of you as a Christian. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is a man. It's him. He's co-equal with God. He's co-equal with Jesus Christ. He is God Almighty. It is part of you. Of This God is deposited inside of you. And God knew that sometimes in your life, you're going to have a bad day. He knew sometimes in your life, you're going to face disappointment. God knows how to take care of us. And God, he he knew you'd go through things. He knew you would be lonely sometimes. He knew sometimes your heart would just break. And Jesus said before he went away, I'm going to send you a comforter. And he will never leave you. He will always be there in time of need. And if you'll allow him... If in those times of your need, those times you don't understand, instead of looking to the world, instead of turning to the things that are not of God, if you'll turn to the Holy Spirit, you'll find all the comfort that you need. I remember the testimony of a young lady that had lost her husband. this marriage was a picture of, of perfection. They got married. They were so much in love. They went into ministry together. There was nothing that was not right in their life. And on the way home one day from work, he had a car wreck and it killed him at a young age. the minister went to visit the wife. And this is what she said. My mind is a battlefield right now and I don't know which way to turn. But for some reason, I have peace in my heart. Those times that you didn't know was going to happen in your life, that's where the comforter comes in. It is an excellent comforter. Even in those times of joy, when you feel that from coming from on high, God left us this excellent comfort. The true Christian does not need a psychiatrist. The true Christian does not need a counselor. You need the counsel of the Holy Ghost. And if preachers everywhere would return back to getting on their face before God and and hear this, repenting. I'm talking about pastors manning the pulpit. If they would get on their face one more time and say, God, forgive us of the sins of the church. We have not looked to you exclusively. We have not turned back to Calvary. If they would just one more time, God, let us lay aside everything that we counted on in the world. I believe we have find the comfort of the Holy Spirit in our churches again. The Holy Spirit is closer than the hands and feet and nearer than breathing. I love that. Last one we have hope. If we look forward to this life only, our existence is absolutely miserable. You think about it. If that's all I have to look forward to is this life. In fact, Paul was saying, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, even if we knew Jesus in this life only, we are men most miserable. That's who we are. This life means nothing if we have no hope in Christ. As people turn from God, why do you think they're so miserable? Why do you think this nation has become unhinged? It ain't because of a certain political candidate. It's not because of a certain sin. It's not because of uh, some political group over here. It's not because of some activist group here. It's not because somebody went to some movies or did some drugs or alcohol. That's not really the reason why this nation has failed. Here's why we have failed because we've turned from God. We told God we don't want you in our courthouses no more. We don't want you in our schools no more. We've got this. And we become people most miserable. Always looking for something to satisfy us and we'll never find it. Immortality. There's a book out called Immortality. I can't remember the author's last name. And he talks about the frailty of men and things you're trying to do become immortal There's projects of people trying to freeze dry their stuff. Larry King, y'all know Larry King. He just froze his head. And that's where he put it. He said, I don't believe in God. And if there is a God, I got a few questions for him. And I thought, yeah, he's going to have a few questions for you too, buddy. But that's where his hope lies. And you think of the stupidity now. In this book, I'll give you just one of a thousand examples Do you know when freeze-drying somebody like a chicken breast and putting it in the freezer? I mean, that's what they do. The problem with all that is if they don't freeze-dry you and freeze you down to like whatever the temperature is, super cold. If they don't do that within three minutes, there's absolutely no hope they can regenerate anything. And you become like that old piece of chicken you forgot about ten years ago tucked away in your deep freezer. You become freezer-burnt. And people are putting their hope in this. They are. I'm going to live forever. No, you're not. You're going to be freeze-dried. Your body's somewhere. You think 50 years from now, they didn't pay that electricity bill, and they shut it off. What comes of you? I mean, that's and you think about i, I got to get everybody a copy of this book. It's awesome. He's a Christian, and he, he just he throws out all these examples of, of stupid things people are putting their hope in. And this is the reason our nation is in a mess. This is why our nation is turned upside down, friends. This is why this world is in rebellion. I mean, it ain't nothing no more, people. I'm on my seventh marriage. I'm like, well, when is the point the nation's going to wake up? And then, then we got men with men. We got men running around in skirts. I, I flipped it on Amazon today, and there is a man laid out in a dress talking about get your latest fashions. I thought I was going to throw up. That may just be me. And we look at all, you try to address each situation, you're going to find nothing there that will work except one thing. This nation must turn back to God and have hope in God again. And I could go on with problems. Y'all know them. I don't have to go any further. I could go on with every single problem our nation is facing. And the church, especially the church. But without hope, true hope, we're going nowhere fast. You know, just a few years back, a president ran on campaign hope. That was his campaign slogan, hope. And everybody ate it up. Man, hope. That sounds good. Hope. A lot of churches, yeah, man, he's going to be the greatest president ever. And what happened when all the dust settled at the end of eight years? we become a polarized nation. More than ever. We've seen all the ugly differences we have against each other. And now it didn't bring the utopia everybody thought it was going to bring. Why? Just a simple reason because hope is only found in Jesus Christ. That's the only hope we have. When we understand true hope, we know down here the road's going to be rough. We know the hill's going to be steep. I know there's going to be many disappointments along the way. I know there's heartache here. I understand that. Hope tells me so. But here's what hope ultimately tells me. But ahead in heaven, there's bliss. Now, young people don't understand this as much as us old folks. Why? Because the prospect of heaven doesn't mean a whole lot to a young person. I've been there. But as we grow older, and those people that went on before us, we start missing them. Man, I'd like to see Mama again. <laughs> hey, I'd like to see Grandma again. in your heart—it's these silver cords of faith tied to heaven—that get that bond get stronger and stronger and stronger, and that hope builds. And we start desiring this city that's not made with human hands. Abraham looked for it. Moses looked for it. They didn't really understand it all. But you do. You've been given the mysteries of God. You're holding the mysteries of God in your hand. He's revealed them to you in these last days. And he says, I have hope. He says... I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. But in me, you'll find hope. I love when he said, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Hallelujah. Do you have that excellent hope this morning? There's your hope in your own self, maybe your own life, your own goodness. If it is, you're standing on a false foundation, my friend. There's only one basis for heavenly hope. Would you stand with me?
0: This brings us to the end of this message, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. Be sure to come back often for more great sermons and commercial free Christian music stream 24 hours a day. If you need someone to pray with you, we have a prayer wall at Power of the Cross Radio website. You can leave your request there and also help others pray for their needs. We also offer live prayer periodically throughout the day as intercessors are available. Just click on the talk icon at the bottom right of any page. If someone is available, you can chat live or leave your message if no one is available. Thank you for joining us today and may God bless you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. All rights
1: reserved.